a lot of times I've made uh, food for good friends who have had babies. A lot of my friends these days are having children Mm -hmm. and something that I really love to do. And, uh, but there was one day that I was just like, you know what, God, like I, no one's made me dinner in forever (laughs) and that would be nice. And then, and that very day you actually had been messaging me about going on your show. And then you were like, uh, you should come over for dinner too. And it was just like within, within that one day that I was like praying that to God, Mm. um, you and two other people, uh, within, I think 48 hours invited me over for dinner. That's awesome. Yeah. It was just like, I love those little kisses of Christ. Hello, and welcome to How Did You Get Here? I'm your host, Rob Drapeau, and this is episode 11. Today I have yet another Zoom interview with a friend and former colleague, Elizabeth Perry. Originally from the frozen northern paradise of Canada, Liz has pitched her tent here in the land down under since attending Thomas Aquinas College in California. We used to work together at St. Mary's High School here in Phoenix, but she has some ambitious plans for her future. So I feel blessed to have been able to talk to her before she becomes so famous that she won't have any time for me to ask her, how did you get here? Hi, how are you? I'm doing well, how about you? I'm doing uh, well as well. Uh, I wanted to see, we're on Zoom again, everybody, and she just took a drink, so I was waiting for her to swallow, but I thought for a split second it would be really funny to to start this whole thing with her in mid swallow. So yeah, mouthful of beer. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, do we need to edit that out? I don't know. <laughs> Another beer. I, I have water because I'm a better Christian than you are. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's wine. It's water. Wine. It goes back and forth. Yeah. My level of faith. Um, <laughs> uh, well, welcome uh, Liz Perry. Uh, how did you get here and tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, how we know each other, and and uh, let's uh, everybody let let everybody get to know you a little bit. So, hi. Yeah. Hi. Um, so my name is Elizabeth Perry. My I'm from Canada originally, and I'm probably uh, I think I guess there there tend to be some immigrants from Canada to Phoenix, but um, they tend to be older. So uh, tired of the cold. Yes, the snowbirds, as they are called. Um, but yeah, I've, I actually uh, have lived in Phoenix for a lot longer than I thought I would. When I when I was in college, I was dating this guy, and uh, like he was talking about moving to Phoenix because that's where he was from, and I was like, I will never move to Phoenix. And here I am, like, you know, five years later. <laughs> it's not so bad in the air conditioning, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, people are funny. I, we always say. Um, you know, people go, well, you don't have any blizzard conditions in in Arizona. And I say, sure we do. You just don't have to shovel it. You know, it's like every, we, we all have cabin fever in the summer. Right. You, you stay inside. Okay. You know, but, and yeah, and I, I actually have been really delightfully surprised with, with Phoenix because um, I moved here right out of college, worked for Great Hearts for a year, um, which is, has a lot of, a uh, lot of, liberal arts grads coming to it because that's where the type of school I went to college at and uh, I was really surprised by the community that I found here and that's what's kept me here for so long specifically the Catholic community and I think that has a lot to do with Bishop Olmstead. Um, I think he's a really unique and incredible bishop 
So uh, I've been I've been here for that long because I have grown to love it, and I love at the end of the day, I ended up have ended up appreciating the desert landscape. So you followed a guy out here, or, the, or there was were you were you dating this person when you started work? No, we we actually broke up before I moved here. <laughs> so funny. I moved here all on my own. Uh, wow. So do I know this person? No, I don't think so. Uh, they don't they college don't teach here. What's that? Old well, we, I, you forget that I, I interviewed like all of you basically yes. <laughs> uh, way back in the day. So yeah. You don't need um, and I actually didn't get the job when you interviewed me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is the whole thing was pretty ridiculous because we go, we went there and we were so excited to be at TAC and finally have, you know, bright Catholic uh, young men and women who knew the faith and could do what we were, you know, understood like the whole liberal arts thing. But uh, everybody had the exact same education since there's no yeah. majors or minors. And so, you know, like we're, we're looking at like, who do we want for this position? And, and it, it, you know, we, you all had the same exact credentials, you know, for the yeah. most part. So some of it was just like, which person is least likely to get killed by our students? <laughs> kind of yeah. Um, yeah. And when I actually, so I, what, what ended up happening was I interviewed ended up working for Great Hearts, applied again because I was just really impressed with St. Mary's and, and got the job. And you were my, uh, you were the academic dean, dean of academics. Is that Yeah, one of those. Yeah, I kept changing depending yeah. on the I was very <laughs> uh, capricious. the regional manager? Yeah, I was like uh, assistant to the, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I really enjoyed having you as a boss. You were much more merciful probably than you, than you could have been. Um, and yeah, I, I, one thing that I was really grateful for having you as my, I guess you could say supervisor in my first year teaching was the encouragement that you gave. It was, it's really important to have uh, a supervisor who gives really positive feedback. And I remember receiving that from you. Oh, thank you. Uh, that's nice to hear. Yeah, I, I just remember, uh, I, I, I was really impressed with you because, you know, well, this kind of a theme is I think for today's show is, is that you, you can't always judge a book by its cover. You know, you can't like, you're, you're this tiny little person uh, who like I would never um, have. Well, anyway, you, you took, you took the teaching these, these kids uh, really well and you did a great job at it and you, you had, like I, I think some of the some of the people that came to teach for us, um, I, I I might have I might have said this in a previous podcast, and I hate I hate repeating myself, but but I don't hate it enough to not do it all the time. So, um, but there's there's some some people when they teach they they think that their job is to put truth out there and then let the, the, the lovely young minds feed at the trough of truth. Uh, and that's just not the way it works with teenagers, you know? So you, you ha you, you're a showman, you're a, a, a salesman, a, a kind of a seducer of, of, of minds in, a, in, a, in the best possible sense, you know, that you have, to, you have to find out what language they're speaking and how to, how to reach them, how to communicate to them. And then use that language in a way that doesn't make you look like a fool, 
um, but in a way that shows that you take an interest in them and that you respect them and and then um, you know bring them bring them uh, along you know so I used I used to use the analogy of um, the prodigal son uh, where the the father in the story of the prodigal son runs out to the son and welcomes him home before he's even had a chance to repent and give a speech and all that stuff and uh, and I think some sometimes teachers are are willing to accept the prodigal student uh, or the, the, the student who is not so bright, but they want to just kind of stand there at the gates with their arms folded and wait for them to approach them versus running out to the student and saying, listen, I know you're not, you're not getting this. So how can I, how can I make it through to you? You know, and you just, um, you know, that you, you struck me. It, it was very, it was, it was a very pleasant surprise because you never know which teachers are going to be the ones that do it. And, and you, you really seem to connect with the students and to make an effort and um, and and I think that they responded to that and they saw that your respect for them and um, they they weren't just you know little dummies they were people you know and um, so you did that and I think you had uh, good encouragement from your peer um, uh, Louise uh, I think mm-hmm. she gave you some good um, yeah she was she, she was a lot of my- a lot of help my first year teaching especially yeah. no she's she's off the charts awesome so yeah. you should um, get her on here i've been trying but she yeah. just keeps having babies and it's just not <laughs> uh i i she's uh I, I, louise is great i don't know she's just so um she's wonderful i do want to have her on here so uh, maybe with your encouragement yeah you can, you can make, her, her make it happen but um, so sorry, that was me taking over the conversation again. But um, I, no, I appreciate the affirmations. It, uh, mean, you were, yeah, it was, it was, you know, and it's it's funny because, like I said, especially with the TAC grads, there's so many of you that have the same background, but you can't, you 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 really don't know what to expect because some yeah. some people have uh, have a natural gift, and I think there's I think there's an, an art and a craft of teaching, and some people. Um, take to it better than others, and some people are, uh, you know, they're competent educators because they're well organized, and other people are brilliant educators and not at all organized because um, they they just you know they they're able to share their passion, and you never know you know who's who's who, um, but uh, you know I, I just like I said I was really pleasantly surprised. You know, because uh, Canadians don't always get American teens. You know, <laughs> uh, not too different up there. I found just more polite, clean. More they pick polite. up after themselves. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I've I've i found that Canadians are generally like whenever I meet somebody who's extraordinarily nice, I and and then I find out that they're Canadian. I'm, I'm never surprised, you know, yeah. uh, are there, are there well, mean people in Canada? Sorry. Are there mean people in Canada? Uh, yeah. And actually I would say in some ways, yes, we, we have the reputation for being more polite. Um, but I think Americans and I'm going to get flack for this. If anyone listens to this, but I think no Amer- worries. No worries. <laughs> I think Americans actually tend to be more warm than wow, Canadians. Oh, and that's not just like a climate joke, right? So no, <laughs> no, it's not. Um, yeah, no, I think Americans—they're more. I think Canadians do kind of get the uh, the English culture a little bit more uh, in that they're polite, but they're also 
a little more reserved. But yeah, uh, yeah Americans, I think, are are more warm and more Im- immediately friendly. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, th- I think Americans are very um, uh, optimistic and yeah. accepting, you know, so like, like, you know, the whole idea that every anybody, like, we're all from somewhere else, you know. Um, so I mean, if you go back far enough, I, I think I think that is kind of built into the culture. Um, yeah. But uh, I do like, you know, I, I, somebody told me that Detroit and is it Windsor, uh, Canada? What's the name of the city in Canada that's like right across the lake from Detroit? Do you know? Uh, Toronto's pretty close. Uh, no, but there's like a sister, a sister city, like right. I mean, like literally on the other side of the bridge. Like yeah. if you, it, I'm actually not sure. It yeah, I I think it's Windsor, but if does Windsor sounds British enough to be Canadian, right? Yes. Like, anyway, it I just heard that the um. The cities were built at the same time, so their architecture is all the same. But the Canadian side is like pristine, and and you know people are safe. And and then in <laughs> Detroit, it was like totally destroyed, and and it's like all messed up. So yeah. Anyway. Um, well, my mom is actually from Detroit, which is why I have not been kicked from this country yet. Oh, you could have gotten kicked. Are, oh yeah, dual, I mean, I I wouldn't have been kicked out. I would have gone back but i my visa would have been up by now if i uh, didn't have american citizenship and you'd, um, you'd have to call that kid and patch things up so that you could marry him and stay in the states and all that <laughs> stuff yeah. yeah wow this is co- this is coming around back to that a lot a little bit too much <laughs> much more than i had intended um but i also i want to talk again about you said how did you get here i want to uh make a confession which is that so you had offered you had invited me to do this but then you had actually i'll go i'll go back a little bit further so i have spent um i've done a a lot of times i've made uh food for good friends who have had babies a lot of my friends these days are having children Mm -hmm. and something that i really love to do and uh but there was one day that i was just like you know what god like i no one's made me dinner in forever (laughs) and that would be nice and then, and that very day, you actually had been messaging me about going on your show. And then you were like, uh, you should come over for dinner too. And it was just like, within, within that one day that I was like praying that to God, mm. um, you and two other people uh, within, I think, 48 hours invited me over for dinner. That's awesome. So, yeah. It was just like, I love those little kisses of Christ. Like I didn't even actually ask um, for yeah. Like God, like can you send someone to to to, uh, to host me for dinner sometime? It was just like complaining, <laughs> and God was like, "All right, I got you." <laughs> oh, that's great! Yeah, I, so because of that, I was like, "Now I need to go on a show." So he actually <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Has me over to dinner, so I'm gonna take you up on that when this COVID business. Uh, you is know, it, you know what the funniest thing is is that I so when when my wife and I got married, uh, I said you know, we thought. Or at least I thought we thought, you know, this, you'll, you'll see what that's like eventually. But yeah. uh, I thought, you know, we have a charism of hospitality. And, and so that's what we're going to do. We're going to have people over all the time. We're going to be super hospitable. We're going to make, you know, uh, we're just going to make people feel welcome. And so like for a long, long time, uh, you know, because our, you know, our, my, my best friend is our producer, uh, Brian uh, Dragu, who, you know, as a, as a tutor at TAC, mm-hmm. but he, 
he was always uh, like whenever whenever somebody would come on a recruiting trip here uh, to meet with high school students, uh, he would always have them stay at our house or come over and meet 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 it, meet me and Amy. And um, anyway, that was just something that that you know we we always loved. And then we started having kids and stopped having a clean home. And next thing you know, it was it was we were just never having anybody over. And my wife is. Um, uh, just she's pretty self-conscious about about you know the the, the state of the house because she's she has she has the house in her mind the way that it is supposed to be and it's perfect and then um, we live in a in a in a fallen state you know it's okay. like are you, ba- are you backing out of making me dinner <laughs> no no I'm not no because but the thing that's so funny is that for Christmas uh, for Christmas this year or last year. She said, you know what, I'm going to give you, you can have somebody over for dinner. You can have guests, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, once a month if you want. And I was like, man, that's the best gift ever. So like, we immediately started having people over because we had, we had the dragoos over and they, that's just always like fun. We had them from like eight in the morning to midnight or something crazy. Awesome. Um, and we just, and the whole family loves them. And so it was really fun. And then we had another, uh, another person over and then we had, so I had like a couple of the, a couple of the people that uh, that have been on the show. They they came over for dinner or breakfast or something, and then Corona hit. You know, so it's like the yeah. the one time that my wife says, "Yeah, you can have people over," and now nobody can come over, and and um, so it's just tragic. So yeah. I, I I've been I've been feeling bad about not having you guys over since uh, you started as rookie teachers because I my my goal was to have all the new teachers over to my house for like nannies and and you know conversations and beers and and none of that has happened so yeah anyway you're not that far behind the rest of the world in terms of not being here but i definitely will cook for you so that is all carry on yeah Uh, absolutely i like what you're saying though about the little kisses of of christ uh he does that to me sometimes yeah i had another experience with that i uh was praying there i started praying the rosary every day at one point and And it was, you know, I was doing it pretty consistently for maybe even a year or something like that. And then one day I was, I just kind of stopped and reassessed and I thought, um, and I like was praying and I was like, you know what, I am, I don't really feel like this is fruitful. Like I, I tend to just zone out a little bit and I'm not really focusing on anything and I'm just kind of, it's just a, it's a a rote thing that I'm I'm just kind of reciting this. And so I I made the resolution to stop praying the rosary and to read 15 minutes or 20 minutes of spiritual reading every night. And so naturally I ended up just stopping praying the rosary and not actually reading. Um, Or I, I maybe did like five minutes, but either way the prayer life went down. And uh, around that time, I also started praying a rosary to Our Lady, or sorry, uh, a novena to Our Lady of Chansehova, who is, are you familiar with Our Lady of Chansehova? Uh, I always pronounce it differently. This is the, the Black Madonna, right? The, yes. Yeah. When I, uh, I, when I visited, uh, <laughs> I visited Steubenville when I was in, in college, and we visited the uh, Franciscan University, and I, I just thought it was the strangest thing to see the, one of the strangest things to see the culture of the school, because there were there were people there who were all really devout. So it was really exciting for me because I was at a state school. Uh, but they were debating like who was a more powerful intercessor, uh, our lady of Chestahova or, 
or Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I'm like, this is the same lady, <laughs> you know, like, what, yeah. are, what are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? You know, so. That is, oh. that's always been something that's, that has confused me a little bit about the, the different ladies that they're all the same, but they have, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but I've always loved Our Lady of Shinsehova, and I actually went to Poland this summer, and I saw her. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I started praying this novena to Our Lady of Shinsehova, and on the last day of no the novena, my roommate comes up to me, and uh, she gives me a rosary with Our Lady of Shinsehova on it. Um. And it was just like, all right, I guess I should start praying the rosary again. <laughs> That's so funny. It was very much to me uh, communication, like a very direct communication that was just like, you need to and not and not. It's it, it, it's it's kind of funny because it's kind of like how a mom would do it too. Like it's not like, well, good mom anyway. I suppose you know, like it, it's like here you go, you 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 left something, you forgot something. Yeah, you know, not not like a. Not like I, you know, hit you over the head with it or something, but, uh, you know, it's funny. Do you, uh, do you remember, uh, that they recently re-released, uh, St. Therese of Lisieux's, uh, Diary of a Soul, I think, but they, they took, they put in the, un, the edited parts. Yeah. They... I, I heard briefly that there were some parts that were taken out. Yeah. So this is something that I think is really tragic and, and that is that, uh, that a lot of times the saints that we have that were held up that, that are held up to us for uh, imitation are are people who are perfect to start with, and it's like you know, like how how are we supposed to be like that? You know, it's like it's like they're a bunch of goody two shoes or something. And there's a book that I really like. It's called uh, The Defects of the Saints. Uh, and, and the guy who wrote it wrote another book called Saints in the World, and originally it was called um, Man the Saint, but the, the author is a, is a, a priest named uh, Jesus Urtiaga. It's U-R-T-E-A-G-A. -A. And in this book, uh, Saints in the World, he talks about how, you know, when people say, well, why should we be Christians? The Christians respond, you know, like, look at our saints. And, and then when they look at the saints, they see these people like, uh, the story of the, the of the young man who was so uh, so chaste that he wouldn't even look at his mother when he was an infant, or the kid the kid who you know at Christmas time they ask you know what do you want and nothing but the Lord you know and it's like yeah. you know bull bull crap you know yeah. <laughs> like that, that did not that did not happen, and so then you then you meet someone like uh, Saint Therese who was a brat as a kid you know she was totally stubborn and and um, I, I so. I have always actually had a hard time with St. Therese. Right, because um, she's kind of twee, right? Like a little saccharine or something. And I guess like even even the childhood portion of her life, I remember reading about it and just and how down on herself she was about it. And and I'm not, not saying that, that she's not a saint or anything like that. But you for me, wrong. You <laughs> yeah, obviously. The doctor of the church. And, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, I would never stand up against St. Therese, but, but I actually, and that maybe this portion of the text that has been taken out um, would help me. But when I was reading, it, I was just like, wow, I'm even when she was like the, the quote unquote bratty child. I mean, she just like, didn't even hold a candle to me. <laughs> oh yeah. You were, you were like demon possessed. Like, yeah, like, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Peace, peace. Um, yeah. So that's, 
yeah. Anyways, go on about, especially I want to know about the, the part. No, so the thing that was fascinating is that we, we try to, like a lot of times Catholics will sanitize their saints, right? So they'll, you, you have these, like I, I've met people who have like really strong devotions to uh, like St. Um, Philomena and I can't, I, I, I don't, I'm not into it, you know? And it's like, you know, it feels like we, we know like very little about a saint like Philomena. And, right. It was just her remains, right? That, it's just her, yeah, it was her bones yeah. and, and, and her name, which may have been Luma Fina, like, sorry, Philomena. It might've been Lumen. I, I forget. Like they, they, they found pieces of a, of a tile with, with her name, but you could have put them in the other order and gotten a different thing. And, and anyway, you know, there, there, there are saints who really had a strong devotion to her, uh, like John Vianney or whatever. And that's great. And so, you know, I'm, 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 I don't need her to not be a saint or anything, but she just, you know, doesn't speak to me the way that, uh, Chesterton does, you know? Yeah. And, um, but anyway, uh, that's, that's a problem. You know, when you have all these like barefoot nine-year-olds that are just so holy and it's like, how, how, how's a, you know, a 48 year old man supposed to relate to that, you know? And, and, uh, anyway, the, the, the thing is, is that we, we're, we sometimes will, will sanitize the saints and what they did that with Therese. And so basically in this new edition, they put in things where like she says at one point, uh, that she's, she doesn't really like praying the rosary she finds it kind of boring. And I'm like, yeah. And like, that's a, that's a pretty, that's a pretty cool piece of information, you know, but, but another one that was like really shocking to me that, that, um, that I, that I thought was, uh, I was really glad that they restored it to the, to the, uh, to the diary was when she was dying, she was in so much pain that she contemplated suicide. And, um, so they, she told her mother superior, uh, not to leave the, the medicine by her bedside because she'd be tempted to take too much of it, you know? And so like, like basically like her, her faith was like, she was in a, in a dark place, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, before she died. And, and, you know, I, I remember trying to read, uh, was it the, um, those Christian, the left behind series, you know, those books, do you remember those at all? I've never read them, but I'm somewhat familiar with them. It's like a Christian, uh, apocalypse type. yeah it's yeah it's it's like you know it's all about the 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 the, the rapture and all these things that it's very yeah. popular in in uh evangelical circles this 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 idea that jesus is going to come back and and take his people to heaven and then you know, everybody else is going to kind of suffer uh you know so there's so there are different there are different schools of thought on it um but I, I just remember reading the book and, and like in the, like I couldn't get past like the first or second chapter and I only wanted to read stuff like that. So I know how to talk to people who are into it. Uh, and, and I grew up speaking Christianese anyway, cause I had a lot of friends who were, <laughs> who were Christian, um, not non-Catholic Christians. Um, but when, when the, uh, when the antagonist of the story, when the worst thing that they do is smoke and swear and drink a little bit, it's like, that's like, that, like, are you kidding? Yeah. Like, that's that's Hilaire and Belloc and Chesterton and at one meal, you know. Like, like that's not <laughs> those aren't bad traits yeah. necessarily, you know. And so it's hard, um, it's hard to relate to to people whose whose vices really aren't that vicious. And right. when you find out that Mother Teresa, you know, had no consolation from her faith for like fifty years mm-hmm. or whatever it is, that makes you appreciate 
uh, what she's done more. And when you hear that um, uh, St. Therese, who Mother Teresa is named after, also struggled with those things, that makes her a little more human because, you know, I'm sure that, uh, you know, that it's hard. It's hard as a little Catholic girl to, to, to say, oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, Maria Goretti or I'm not Philomena right. or I'm not St. Therese. And you're, you're, you're St. Uh, you're St. Liz Perry. Uh, <laughs> you go by, you, do you go by Liz all the time? Cause you, you started um, with, you trying depends to on what circles I'm floating in. Um, my friends growing up all called me Elizabeth. I didn't start going by Liz until college. Um, and was that a, yeah. was that a, a choice you made or was that a choice somebody else made that I, you didn't resist? I think it just kind of happened. It's just easier to say Liz, I guess, than Elizabeth. And well, Elizabeth is like the name for nicknames with girls because you've got there's so some, many of them. Yeah, Eliza, Lisa, Beth, Betsy, Betty. I can go on. Love yeah, my family right. calls me Lizzie, uh, and I really don't like it when people call me Lizzie who don't know me well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Calls me the wrong way. I don't know why. It's just kind of funny. Well, yeah. I grew up. I grew up as Robbie to my family. So like the only people that called me Robbie were my, my cousins and relatives and like really old people, mm-hmm. but everybody else just called me Robert. And then when I started high school, uh, one of these guys that I said I befriended at, at a, at a uh, at fellowship of Christian athletes, which was a, a evangelical Bible study group. He, he called me Rob. He introduced me as Rob to somebody and I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm Rob, you know? And so, that's when I became Rob was, you know, my summer before my freshman year and, and it, and it took, you know, mm-hmm. um, so, uh, but anyway, Liz, uh, <laughs> tell me, so, so how did we get off on St. Therese? Do you remember that? Oh, I know what I was, I was telling you is that the, uh, the rosary. Yeah. So, you know, if yeah. you, I, I really like that about her, that she wasn't, uh, super pious about it. Cause I always feel like, like if I don't love some particular devotion that everybody else loves, that there might be some defect in me and it really is, yeah. it's not that way. And then, and like with the rosary, the, the, the person I, uh, Jose Maria talks about, um, you know, the, 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 the monotony of it and the, the repetitiveness of it is, is, uh, like the strumming of a guitar, you know, like you're, yeah. you're, you're playing for your, your mom or your, you know, like a, a young, a young child who's devoted to his mother and just plays and just says, I love you, mom. You know, I love you. And it's, and kind of mindless chatter, sing songy stuff. But, but that's not displeasing to the mother, you know, like the mom loves it. Like when I hear my kids singing, uh, just made up songs sometimes about their life or whatever, um, it, it, it delights me. And so I don't, I don't, they don't need to be, uh, super sophisticated poets or anything. So. I'm doing it again. I'm, I'm monologuing. So. Oh, <laughs> don't worry about it. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, the, the power, I think that's the thing about um, praying is that when you're on the outside and you're not, and you're looking in and you see the, the face that's presented, because usually people don't talk publicly about their prayer life unless it's going well. Oftentimes, like yeah. very rarely will, will someone stand up and say, I prayed today and it was boring, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I put, I punched my clock. Yeah. And yeah. That's funny. And I think it's, I think that was one thing that, that I had to realize 
Um, and it's taken me a long time to realize that praying isn't about, I mean, it, it ideally, eventually, especially in heaven will be about conversing with God, um, and enjoying that, but it's hard to get into the habit of it. And it's not always easy when, even when you are, when you have a healthy prayer life. And that's what love is, is that uh, love is not just about receiving, giving, giving, and then receiving something back immediately all the time. Sometimes love to really, and, and that's why I think Mother Teresa, as you mentioned, her witness is so powerful because she wasn't doing it because it made her feel good. In fact, it was, she was not receiving consolation for so many years of her life. And what there was, I think it was actually St. Therese who said, um, well, maybe it was St. Catherine of Siena. She, you're the quote guru, so you can place this. But one of the saints said, um, I, Lord, I would go to hell for love of you. Yeah. Is that St. Therese? I, I'm not sure. That could be that could be uh, Therese, Teresa of Avila or uh, Catherine of Siena. And it's probably it's probably like somebody that you know, it's like Kathleen Jericho or some or you know somebody that I'm, that I'm totally not getting. But yeah, I mean yeah. I've heard that, and and you know, it's funny because I I remember at one point in my own in my own walk with Jesus, I had to realize I had to come. It was like the first time that I think I might have experienced a dark night of the soul, and it was when I when I realized that I have to love God. Uh, regardless of whether or not I enjoy it or regardless of whether or not he gives me a reward because it's not about me. It's about him and he's worthy of my love and he's worthy of my praise and my devotion uh, irrespective of whether or not he does anything for me, you know? So I, so it's one thing to be like grateful to God for what he does, but it's another thing to be grateful or, or it's another thing to adore him for who he is and and the way that that works sometimes is that he takes away those consolations so that you you, you come to realize oh uh, I I can't rely on these feelings um, for my evidence of my relationship with 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 God you know that that the the feelings and the and the and the consolation that's those are those are lovely gifts that are un, unnecessary uh, and wonderful and helpful often but. But that's not what it's really all about. And so when he loves you enough to take those away from you, that's a, that's like, seems like a big step, I think, yeah. in your growth. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so you, that, that quote that you just said, uh, I love you enough to go to hell, that, that's, that struck you? Yeah. Um, cause I, I think it, it, uh, I, th- I mean, there are some, there, I feel like I've heard people say, you know, you can be, you can believe in God or you can not, but like really when it comes down to it, believing in God is just what makes you happy. So you're just still pursuing your own happiness and that's fine. You know, that's good for you. But um, I don't think that's really uh, like we are called to, to love God above all else and love your neighbor as yourself. So we're put below that. We're supposed to love God before ourselves. And I'm not trying to preach here as someone who has done that. That's for dang sure. But <laughs> it's yeah. just important. I think it's important to be aware of that, that, that sometimes you have to deny yourself of what's easy and what's fun and what's, um, 
what's going to make you happy in the short term. And, uh, and then ultimately trust that it will make you happy in the long term. It's kind of a paradox because if you, the, the thing is about that, that statement is that it is a paradox. Like if you love God like that, then there's no way he would want you to go to hell. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well then, and then do you, yeah, I mean, and that's, that's what's that, that you, you can get, uh, you can get wound up pretty quickly with that stuff. If you start, you know, you get, see, uh, you start, th- <laughs> <laughs> you start thinking about, uh, you know, like if, if, I mean, if, if God is, if God is, if Jesus always appears in the form of, of someone that you don't recognize him and you're always on the lookout so that whoever it is, you don't recognize is going to be Jesus. Then, then, then those people can't be the one who, who are Jesus because you're looking for, you know what I mean? Like if, so like, if you're like, Oh, I, I might, I might be entertaining Jesus and not being aware of it. So I'm going to be kind to all the homeless people because you think that's them. And then, then there's a rude business guy and you ignore him. The rude mm-hmm. business guy is the guy who turns out to be Jesus. You know, yeah. that, and, and so when, if you're, if you're thinking, Oh, I'm going to do this so that I'm not, you know, I'm not going to seek happiness because I want to ultimately be happy. You've just kind of short circuited your, uh, your humility yeah, there but that's so true um but yeah i know what you're saying and uh yeah you know it, but i think what you what you just said really is is true about love in general um and and i think that uh i think you're you're i mean what you're what you're expressing is 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 a is a very mature thought you know because there are people who who think especially when it comes to romantic love Mm-hmm. That that if you stop feeling Twitter pated, you know what that is, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, from Bambi. Um, if you stop feeling Twitter pated, then somehow the love is gone, right? The thrill is gone, and you gotta you gotta be all sad about it. Or and then you start like seeking that same kind of thrill and and um, excitement that you used to have in a new relationship, or you start noticing, uh, you know, the attentions that somebody pays to you versus. Uh, you know, your, your spouse or your significant other who seems to take you for granted. Um, and then you start going down this path where, uh, you start comparing, you know, I always, I always used to tell people that, um, stage difference is, is worse than age difference sometimes, because if you, if you meet somebody when you, like when I first met my wife, uh, everything, you know, there's definitely like a confirmation bias going on. Like I just thought, you know, she's like, I love, I love, uh, you know, bagels, bagels. I, I like baguettes. We're like basically the same, you know, like, and <laughs> like you just start, yeah, you just, you have everything in common and, and you know, whatever. And then, and then after a while you get to the point where it's like, uh, you know, you get tired of each other, you know, and that's just what happens. You know, it's like, you know, like the things that you used to think were cute and charming, uh, become things that are annoying to you. And, and that's when the love matters, right? Is when, is when, um, when you're, when you're not feeling that way anymore, that's when you have to, that's when the decision that you mm-hmm. make, you know, to, to love has to take precedence over those feelings. And if you, and if you rely so heavily on those feelings, then you just, you wind up in a perpetual state of like emotional infancy or, or adolescence anyway, you know, so like these guys having a midlife crisis, you know, like, Oh, you know, like I, uh, that's, that's, that's not right, you know? Right. And, and, and so love means 
Well, actually, I heard it. I heard it this way that this you're not even going to see what the connection is to what I'm saying now because um, <laughs> there's a book uh, called The Supper of the Lamb. Have you ever heard of that book? It's not the Scott Hahn book. It's a cookbook. Uh, I I'm not familiar with it. No. So it's written by an Anglican priest, and the, his name is Robert Farrar Capon, and he talks about how most cookbooks are written. Uh, with recipes that you use on feast days, right? So it's it's basically like these great these great feasts. But this book is it's allegedly a book for ferial days, you know, for the ordinary time. And so it's you know everyday cooking, but it's it's really this kind of extended meditation on 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 the religious spiritual life. So it's a beautiful book. But um, he he just he when he made that distinction between the feast days and the ferial days, you know. I, I was kind of blown away because I had a, a priest who helped form us. He said that, you know, your love isn't, uh, isn't going to be steak, steak dinners and roses. It's going to be oatmeal, you know, and like yeah. most of your, most of your meals are oatmeal and most of them are going to, most of the time you're stirring the oatmeal and trying to stay alive, you know, as a couple. And, and that's okay. Like if you have that as an expectation, instead of expecting every meal to be filet mignon and, then the next one's got to be better than that, or the next one's got to be better than that. When you realize, no, what what the what's better is that I have daily bread, right? I have right. I have uh, this relationship that I don't have to talk about. I don't have to, you know, that, it, that I, the love is there by by the fact that we both show up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so romantic, right? Just showing. Yeah. Up, <laughs> no, I clock. think it's so true, though. Yeah, um, and I, I mean, I can't speak to that to, as a as a single woman, but my parents' marriage has always been a really great example to me. Um, and yeah, it, it's uh, the the times that my mom I I remember specifically times that my mom like really just admired my dad was when he was so like for instance, my family once went once went on a um, family vacation to and we. Uh, this this other family let us stay in their cabin for the weekend and the plumbing went out and so my dad ended up spending the whole maybe it was even a week the whole time just trying to fix this issue and it's just like in the end it was just my mom looks at that as such a romantic thing because she's like he just sacrifices he doesn't just walk away from that and um that's real love it's not it's not about you know showing up with with roses every day it's a it's about doing the hard things that's really truly um, yeah, just showing up with roses uh i mean i'm not gonna rag on that because that's great but <laughs> yeah. it's like it's it's a very immediately gratifying thing to do because you know the, the lady's like this is so nice what you're out like maybe 30, 50 bucks i don't know how much roses are yeah that, but, <laughs> i don't either because i never buy them for my wife i buy her oatmeal yeah. <laughs> Here's another packet of oatmeal for you. Yeah. Uh, my arm disappeared. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, and it's funny because it, that that whole uh, color by numbers kind of like I never understood romance that was like oh, I'm gonna buy her, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy her roses and I'm gonna give her a, a you know a card from the store. You might, there's a funny story that my dad you know he's he didn't have any money when he was in the Air Force. He was a GI and so he would take my wife my wife my mom to the store. <laughs> 
show her the show her the card and say, "Look, this is the one I would buy for you," and then and then not buy it, you know. So you yeah. just save money that way. Yeah. But, you know, and some people that's their love language. They like to have cards. You know, my dad always was very thoughtful about the card that he picked out when he could eventually start buying them. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't like cards. Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't send cards very often, but. Um, but yeah, so that, but that, that whole, you know, this idea that romance is, you know, long walks on the beach and fireplaces and whatever it is you put on your, your, you know, your dating app or whatever. I don't mm-hmm. even know anymore. I'm so out of that game. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's not love. And what you're saying, I just funny cause I just read, I, I, I was writing something for a client and uh, I wanted to use the story about this janitor that the story that JFK met a janitor in, um, I mean, he was visiting Cape Canaveral and, and, uh, you know, he, he asked, well, he met three janitors, I guess. And so the, the, the first one he says, what are you doing? And the guy says, I'm cleaning the toilet. And the second guy says, what are you doing? He goes, I'm providing for my family. And mm-hmm. he says to the third guy, what are you doing? He goes, I'm, I'm helping put a man on the moon. And, and they were all doing the same task, but just yeah. kind of perspective of it, you know? And, yeah. um, anyway, so I was reading that story and, and there was, I was trying to source the quote originally and, bunny trail on the internet to uh the 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 book that writes stuff about the test pilots and and first astronauts and they chose to use astronauts uh, they chose to use uh officers uh who had college degrees to be the first astronauts which meant that chuck yeager who uh, was an officer but he got he had a field commission so he he kind of got promoted in the ranks he wasn't allowed to be a uh, an astronaut, even though he was one of the greatest test pilots ever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, this, um, long story, you know, uh, this guy was talking about how, how in, in, uh, among astronauts, you know, everybody, everybody wants to be the guy, you know, like they want to be the one who does the first thing or does whatever, you know, but, so it's like Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, they go to the moon and then whoever the other guy is, I don't even remember his name. He's the one who's circling, yeah, they're circling the moon, waiting and trying to make sure that he doesn't, you know, leave these guys there and that they get back. And mm-hmm. um, uh, but anyway, there's so the first Canadian astronaut uh, was they they had a they were they were going to do a, a they had to do an emergency spacewalk, and uh, usually they have like years to plan the spacewalks. And so this was like the I guess it was the first Canadian astronaut on the um, uh on the on the the international space center or something and he uh it, it came down to him or somebody else to go and do this this uh spacewalk that they had to prepare for and it was the other guy uh, who got it and so he was really disappointed because he wants to you know he wanted to be i, w- I wanted to be the hero yeah but meanwhile while the guys are outside of this <laughs> outside fixing the space center the, the the space station the toilet breaks in the space station and this Canadian guy, he's got to figure out how to fix a toilet in oh zero gravity. And so that's what he did. And nobody, nobody knew <laughs> any of it. But that's his like highest, you know, that, that's the moment he's most proud of is that, that, you know, when, when he could have been feeling sorry for himself, he just, he fixed the toilet. So it's kind of like, yep. you, didn't know your, you didn't know your dad was an astronaut and that he vacationed on the space station. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's, uh, I actually, this is bringing me back to the day that I was a janitor at one point in my life. Um, and I worked, it was my summer job, uh, throughout high, high school. I worked, uh, at the Archdiocese of Vancouver and 
Uh, I, I mean, you were, you were a great superior who appreciated me a lot, but I will have never been so appreciated oh, <laughs> in that's... life than working as the janitor at the archdiocese. Um, that's funny. and yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, it was, it was partly because the bar had been set quite low by the, my predecessors, but, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy what little jobs can do. I think it, at this point in my life, the temptation is definitely to want to get a job that's, that you're going to be recognized or remembered for Yeah. and get that feed that or not feedback, but the adulation and the praise. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I think that's this, there's a Canadian, there's actually a Canadian saint, uh, oh, what was his name? Saint, uh, Bissette, Andre Bissette. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. That's hilarious. Yeah. So my neighbor, my, my next door neighbor is his niece. Really? So, yeah, really. And so he, he came up in, uh, in the conversation with, with, uh, Ryan last time because uh-huh. wow. he's one of, he's one of, sorry, <laughs> Andre Bissette is one of, uh, Ryan's favorite saints and uh, really I didn't know that yeah so go ahead talk about him a little bit so oh, I just heard the story that he was and maybe Ryan told this on the last podcast but um that Andre Bissette was just the doorman for the yeah. and that was just and that was that was his whole thing yeah yeah and a, everyone remembered him and it's yeah. just because all you have to do is just show love yeah to people well you know and that's 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 the thing, right? So my, my daughter, uh, Francesca, was, she, she and I were talking last night, and she, they all, all my kids took that personality test thing where, I, so I think she's an INFJ, uh, oh. which I don't know what that means exactly, except that I think she's an introvert, obviously, but um, she was saying that she wants to do important work that, that makes people happy and is important, but she can't, sorry, she can't decide what to do, and she was saying how she doesn't, she doesn't want to sell cars or something, but mm-hmm. the, and and I was I was talking to her about it and I just said, um, you know that that doesn't necessarily like she's like I don't want to sell cars to rich people. I said, well, there there are a lot of people that need good car salesmen. You know, <laughs> they, they want to be treated with respect. And but it reminded me of of I don't know if you've ever watched that show, uh, uh, Undercover Boss. Have you ever seen? Yes. That? Yeah, I've seen clips of it. I've never. Yeah. I don't think I've ever watched it start to finish. <laughs> There was one episode that just blew me away. And this is actually one of the reasons why I wanted to start a podcast in the first place is because I always felt like I always feel like I'm not very good at what I do. And I feel like, like if I'm, if I'm good at anything, it must be something that everybody's good at, you know? So like, what's the point? Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I don't, I don't think, I, I think a little more highly of myself than I used to, but I, yeah. I, I mean, it's weird because I'm I'm arrogant and and totally like self-deprecating. What's that? It's, it's such a weird uh, when it comes to to pride and then also uh, insecurity. They're just so weirdly intertwined. I've yeah, yeah. It. So if you're if you're not the best, then you're the worst. And it's yeah. like and so I mean, and, that, and that's an artistic thing too, I think. But um, but I just always I was always impressed with people who did their jobs well, like like. And, and one of the things that, that really blew me away was this guy had a job uh, cleaning porta potties, and the, the, the undercover boss was like the, the, uh, was the, the guy who owned the porta potty company, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he was watching how this guy worked and just how quickly he worked and how, how efficiently he worked and how happy he was all day long. And he's like, 
he and he was grossed out, you know, like because he's yeah. gonna he's gonna empty out, you know, porta potties and and clean them and get in there with a scrub brush and and was the, so was the undercover boss actually doing that work too? Yeah, so that, yeah. So that's what they do. They go in and they do the work that the that the that the lowest guy in the rung does. And sometimes they'll hear that you know that the boss doesn't appreciate us or that the boss uh, doesn't you know they don't they don't realize things. I remember I remember hearing one time a youth minister said um, you know the bishop wants uh, he wants all of us to have he wants all youth ministers to have large families and theology degrees, but but then he has no idea how much a, a you know a gallon of milk costs and so yeah. you know a theology degree is not free most mm-hmm. of the time and large families are certainly not free and yeah. the uh the youth minister pay is not uh you know i mean there's not there's not a uh waiting list you know for for youth ministry jobs you know um for the most part you know mm-hmm. so it's just one of those things where it's it's it, you can be a little out of touch when you're the top guy and this guy uh, in this particular episode, I was just so moved by it because the, the the guy was was really great at at cleaning porta potties, and the boss was like, "Man, how do you uh, how do you how do you do this every day?" He goes, "Are you kidding? I'm so grateful that I have a job, and 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 I'm helping people." And he's like, "What?" And he's like, "I'm helping people. You know, people want to have a clean bathroom when they go. You know, and they're at a concert, they're having a good time. They don't want to have that time ruined by." And so they, this guy's perspective of of like that's his, really selfless. Yeah, but it was like I'm, and and so it it was weird to me was that he he thought to himself, I'm I'm in the I'm in the people business, you know I'm helping I'm helping people uh, by cleaning these toilets instead of like the 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 teenage uh, guy mentality, you know like when I it's like oh what do I got to do this when's quitting time and you know like you, you you all the excuses that you make when you when you when you don't care about stuff and and I I just thought you know that guy he'd be happy in any job because mm-hmm. because he has the right attitude and right disposition and but that always that always moved me and so i i want my daughters and my sons to have that same kind of attitude of like i whatever i go to do if i'm doing it for the lord uh i can i can i can i can sanctify myself and become a saint by doing this whatever it is and i can make the world better for other people by doing it whatever it is and, um, and I, and I think that's really important because there's some people who think that like, I, I, I'm not attracted to some jobs, you know, like I don't, I don't like, um, I don't like the widget making or widget selling or any of that stuff. If I had my preference, I would be probably like some kind of college professor who just, you know, gives lectures all the time and, and has, uh, amanuensis, what's the plural of that, you know, <laughs> amanuensi. <laughs> you know, take down all my, you know, write down everything and just totally stroke my ego about how great I am, you know. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm doing help desk stuff right now, which is really pays really well and is good and it's pretty mundane, but, um, but, you know, so taking care of my family is, is also a noble cause anyway. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so you, you as a, as a, as a janitor, <laughs> uh we're very well appreciated that's nice to know yeah um what, what brought us to janitor talk you know the the cleaning and the fixing of the toilets right? um, oh the porter yeah and so that's the thing right because you know uh do you remember you know who josh hartnett is no I exactly don't. you know he was like he was like the, <laughs> the next big thing he was the guy he was going to be like the next brad pitt or whatever he made a few movies 
you know, had the, the kind of furrowed brow and, and was kind of like, you know, tall, dark, handsome, mysterious, and he disappeared. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you, you don't even know who he is anymore. Yeah. But Andre Bissette, you know, and yeah. your impact, <laughs> uh, Miss Perry's impact on, on her students, it, it, it lasts uh, a long time, you know. Um, I, I was having a moment where I felt like I was, that I kind of wasted my life and didn't have, uh, it was like, what, why do I, why was I doing all the things that I'm doing? Why do you, why do you work in the church? Why do you work in Catholic schools? Mm-hmm. And I was feeling really bad. And, um, I got, I got two calls in two days from guys that I had met who were, uh, not Catholic when I knew them. They were, they were in a, in a non-denominational youth ministry group that I was a part of. And I had, I had made some comment that alienated them and uh, offended me. You know, my wife was mad at me because she thought that I was being offensive to people and, and that I didn't need to, I didn't, you know, I didn't need to be that divisive or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, and so I was feeling like, you know, maybe she's right. Maybe I'm just a big dummy and a big jerk or whatever. And these two guys called and they said, it was like 10 years later. And they said, wow. Hey, I just wanted to let you know that uh, 10 years ago you said this and I stormed out of your house and um, I thought you were the most arrogant person in the world. And now, um, I'm becoming Catholic. I'm going to, I'm going to be wow. received, received into the church this Easter. And I was like, what? And the next day, another guy, same thing, you know, from the same meeting independent of each other, they called, you know, and um, so you don't know, Liz, the, the impact that you've, you've had and the things that you've said, which is, which is why teaching is a terrifying. Yeah. You never know. I mean, it for better or worse though, you know, yeah. you never know who you're, uh, you also never know. I was, that, I was struck by that, that, uh, the other day that just like I could be doing a lot of good but I could also be damaging somebody oh yeah yeah you you have a bad day and you're rude exactly yeah Yeah. um well think back to the like just very small words that that teachers or um adults said to you when you were a kid that that just still kind of hurt a little bit today you know we all have those so okay I want to I want to um ask you about something because when I heard somebody uh, at school tell me that you were doing stand-up uh, <laughs> imp- like stand-up nights like open mic nights at a, at yeah. a stand-up club I that kind of short-circuited me because I that totally blew my mind like because yeah. you're like in my mind you were this like like this perfect little professional teacher like you you, <laughs> you, were, you were like like all my my daughters always told me that you were like like the like one of the best dressed teachers at school, you know, you're super fashionable, you know? So, uh, I, you know, I would never in a million years have thought that you had it in you to go up on stage and crack jokes. Um, so tell me about, tell me about how that got started and then tell me about what your, your ideas are for the future. Yeah. Um, I have actually, just to be clear, I've only actually done it twice. I have a lot of material that I've written and um i used to be i used to really want to be involved in theater and you know um acting when that was my dream when i was in elementary school my my uh, confirmation saint was saint genesius oh sure yeah patron uh, of actors yeah yeah patron saint of actors but also i i found out recently the patron patron saint of clowns oh sure uh, which ultimately maybe is more fitting um no comment yeah yeah So I, I, I think a lot of people are struck by that um, because I think I do tend to hold back the comedy side of myself 
uh, in front of people I don't know very well, which actually makes doing stand-up kind of challenging for me because it's it I have to be fairly comfortable around people before I can get really goofy with them. But um, well, what that thing you were drinking earlier helps with that, I think. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I I just really I've uh, my roommates make fun of me for always like we'll be talking about something serious and they'll be like you somehow managed to make that into a joke um so it's just always something that is just I'm very conscious of like how can I make this into a joke just at every minute of the day and I just love laughing I love making people laugh and I can't remember what made me want to try doing stand-up comedy I guess just in general liking uh, comedy itself and more recently uh, la around last year around this time um, I kind of just sat down and I thought about what would my what would, what would my dream job be and the dream job would be to write on like a sitcom staff which doesn't seem like crazy it's, it sounds crazy but it's also not really the type of thing that most people would want to do I guess it's just long hours and yeah. Uh, and I think most, yeah. Um, but I just like collaborating with people and I like creating stories. Um, that's how I, I feel like I'm a better, I, I feel like I'm a better collaborator than I am a laborator. Yes. Uh, and yeah. so it's like, I, I, I like you, you, you start something and I'll make yeah, it better, exactly. you know? Um, or, or or we can make it better together, you know. But yeah, um, I like I really like the brainstorming process, especially like I've yeah. made movies throughout little goofy sketch things throughout uh, throughout my life, and uh, I love the process. And so last year, I thought I was like that would be my dream job, but that's never going to happen, and you know, there's no point in trying. So I just kept teaching, and I and I do love teaching, and I actually make a lot of jokes with my students, and I because I feel very comfortable around them, and make lots of puns. And oh, see, yeah, and I love you for that. <laughs> What's that? I love puns. I think puns are are the highest form of comedy. Possibly. Okay, so yeah, they say that they're the lowest form of comedy, but no, I think they're the highest. Well, all right. So here's the thing, right? God names the first person in the Bible Clay. Right, that's a pun. Like, like Adam is is a pun, right? And Wait, so Adam is, and Clay. I have never heard this before. Yeah, Adam means earth, right? So, like, like Clay Aiken is is, you know, like really? that's that's a that's a name of somebody. And so, <laughs> like Peter Peter Rocky. Is yeah, like, exactly. Is yeah. So you have Clay, you have Rock, and those those probably go together, right? Like, yeah. the one's a uh, more permanent than the other. But there's so many so many names <laughs> oh, in the Bible. Oh, interesting. Oh my gosh, have you thought of that before? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I that is that has just struck me because I I guess I didn't know that Adam and Clay. Yeah. Um, so all the all the all these names in the Bible are are puns and plays on words, you know. And um, I I think that's uh, I, I you know, you may think it's the lowest form of humor, you snobs out there, but uh, yeah, but you're wrong. Our, but God disagrees with you. So that's, <laughs> um, and you know I had my my one of my favorite and most influential teachers he's the one who totally got me going on puns he's my freshman mm -hmm. english teacher and he, he used to do um like non-stop puns about the like the uh jack daniels uh ran a um liquor store that got held up and he was he was really upset that someone had lifted his spirits you know and uh <laughs> 
he, he talked about the the butcher who uh, who backed into a meat grinder and got a little behind in his work. Um, <laughs> and uh, the uh, the Mexican classic tequila mockingbird, you know. Yeah. So like all these are horrible, but um, yeah, uh, that's good. Yeah, and kids and kids kids like that. My daughter uh, Francesca and and uh, my my well, all my kids are very funny. That's like the one thing that we did okay with with them. You know, there's things like, yeah, holy maybe, but funny for sure. You know, like, yeah. um, they're all hilarious. Uh, but but my, my daughter's always doing puns all the time. So good on you. Um, so uh, have you read the, um, there's a piece that Stephen Colbert wrote right before he started his new show where he's talking about his, his, um, his his uh his father's death i think it was his father who died um uh, and his like i think his father and a couple of his brothers or one of his brothers died and so he just had this huge um uh hole in his life this grief like have you heard have you read this or heard about this no i haven't heard that about this. i'll have to find that article for you um but he he just was talking about in comedy uh embracing the bomb is like really important it's an important skill as to like you know when you start failing you just got to lean into it and he was just talking yeah. about how like his yeah anyway so i just think that's an interesting thing and you know he's a, a catholic who prior to uh the current pope people liked him for being a catholic and i remember people loving um james martin too, thinking he was hilarious and great because he was on the uh, Stephen Colbert show and then now everybody you know, now the culture war is bananas yeah. again. But um, uh, so um, have you how much how much uh, how, how grounded in reality is your uh, expectation of being on a uh, yeah. yeah, so I guess I, uh, I I guess I never finished explaining the the thought process. So, yeah. By so the way, as a, as a, as the sun has gone down on our Zoom call, yeah. your your background has disappeared. So now yeah. you're just a you're floating, floating face. Yeah, you're just you just look like like um, Queen's uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's one of those one of those faces there in the head. Anyway, so continue, oh, oh bodyless <laughs> one. Um. So, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Uh, last year I was thinking that uh, I wanted to, you know, do more comedy writing and do that as a career. Um, and then I kind of, you know, wrote that off. And I, I do enjoy teaching, and I was really, you know, satisfied to keep doing that. But then it just kind of kept nagging at me. And I, I think it was really one call that I had with my dad that really made me decide to to try to pursue it more. And he just said, you know what, you're, you're young, you're single, no one's relying on you. You just, just go ahead and take a risk, just pursue it. Um, so I actually ended up, uh, quitting my job for next year to, or not quitting, but telling them I wouldn't be returning next year. Take this um, job and show it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, and then all of this coronavirus business started happening. So I'm a little bit stressed about finding a job in the meantime, but, um, and writing a lot and I think I just needed a year because it's really hard to find the time as a teacher to to pursue your hobbies in your free time because at the end of the day you find yourself yeah free. people think you gotta you have a you know only nine months of work and then three months off but you're working 
at work and then you're working at home. You know, it's 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 more work than people think. And now I think people finally appreciate the stuff that teachers do. You know, now yeah. that all the moms and dads are actually uh, watching over their kids' education. Right. Um, anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I just decided uh, that I needed a year to work, at least a year to to maybe work a different job and um, and have a little bit more time to to write because the, the problem is is I I do love making people laugh and I do write some stand up comedy material from time to time, but I have not gotten into the habit of writing every day. And again, it's this the emotionally draining job of teaching which is also emotionally fruitful that at the end of the day it's really hard to to turn on those creative juices because you also have to use a lot of creativity as a teacher which i which is another thing i love about the job um so yeah i'm going to spend this year for our uh, one of the things you're supposed to do in screenwriting is writing spec scripts which are speculative you just write um so they're not they're not movies about glasses movies about glasses yeah specs but oh yeah (laughs) all right um yeah so you just write a an episode of a show that's already in existence to show that you can write in their dialogue uh, or uh, write in the in the different characters that are already established so i've been working on a couple of those and it's a lot of fun um but it's also a lot harder than you think. I, I have been watching these shows and just kind of breaking down the episodes. Um, and then another, I mean, the other aspect of it is simply that like, if if in some wild, crazy world, I were to actually succeed, which- Okay, I, I wanna interrupt you because um, that's not, it's not that wild or crazy. You know, I keep telling you this in our private conversations that there, <laughs> there are a lot of idiots in the world yeah. and you're not and you're not one of them. And, and there, there are people who are far less talented uh, than you who are who are yeah. doing it. So, like, and why shouldn't it be you, right? Like, you know, yeah. you like, why not you? You know, go ahead, it, carry on. It is. I mean, that world is is very uh, hard to be Catholic in. I think is is one of the thi- one of the things. Well, a good friend of mine uh, shared the same sentiments that you've just shared with me. You know, I she says, I have no doubt you can make it, but. I would be worried about your soul <laughs> if you entered that world because it is. Uh, I I um. It's here. Here's a here's a quote you might not have heard, and I think I think it's from Saint Thomas More. I'm pretty sure he says the times are never so bad that a good man can't live in them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can one. from who? Who's this? Thomas More, Saint Thomas More. You may have heard of him. Yes, I have. Uh, uh, Man for All Seasons, uh, a screenplay written by an atheist uh, that is like amazing. Really? I, 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 I thought it was written by an atheist. That's I think, screenplay. Yeah, you know, I think I'm pretty sure Robert Bolt was an atheist, and he also wrote The Mission, which is my all-time favorite Christian movie. Oh my you know? God. I didn't um, know it was written by an atheist either. Same guy is what I'm saying. It's like so he wrote both of those. So he's just a great writer, but you know. Um, like the first thing is you have to be a good writer. You can't, you can't be a crappy writer, you know, and there's no, you don't get to, there's no Christian curve. You know what I mean? Like you don't, you don't get to uh, have a career as a Christian screenwriter by, by not being 
as good or better than the rest of the world. You know, um, I don't know if you know who Barbara Nicolosi are, is, but uh, yes. she, she talks about how the movies these days are, are bad. And, and in comparison, the Christian movies don't look as, you know, the disparity between the, the, the secular movies and the Christian movies uh, is, is not as great as it used to be, but it's not because Christian movies have gotten better. You know, it's because uh, secular movies have gotten worse, you know, um, but you, you have to be excellent because you, you're, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're, you've got Jesus's name attached to you. So you, you can't be putting out, you know, wobbly tables and, and, and chairs, you know, if you, if you work at that carpenter shop, you know, it's gotta be like top notch stuff, you know, um, say it again. A lot of pressure. No, uh, it's, it's responsibility. I think, you know, God, Jesus is good. He's a good, he's a good, um, he's a good master. He's better than I was, you know, in terms of being your boss and uh, like, he, he, and he doesn't demand perfection. He demands fidelity. Right. So, and this is the same thing too, with your screenwriting, you know, you can't wait for inspiration. You have to show up and, and write and, uh, and, and the inspiration comes after that, you know? And so like, if you're waiting for inspiration, it's like waiting for romance right. in your marriage. You know, you, you have to, you got, you have to be faithful first, you know, uh, and then, and then, so that's why it's so interesting, you know, in terms of arranged marriages, you know, like there's so many, uh, like marriages have been arranged by romantic feelings for maybe the last couple of centuries and the, the divorce rate has gone way up and, and people are more and more miserable when they're marrying, thinking that they were going to make themselves happy versus the arranged marriages of the past where the whole family is united and they're guiding and they're behind these people and they make this decision that I, I'm going to grow to love this person. Uh, and, um, and that's what happens. You know, these, these people, they, they might marry as strangers and then grow to love each other, you know? And so that's, that's true for uh, the fidelity, the, the faithfulness. I, I remember, did you ever see the movie um, three Kings? I don't think so. It's the one about, it's about the first Iraq war. Uh, Ice Cube and and uh, George Clooney and uh, Spike Jones. No, I have not. Uh, oh, it's a good it's a good I... movie. But there's a there's a part in the movie where um, where George Clooney is trying to motivate one of the soldiers to do something, and he's and the guy's afraid, and he says, "Buddy, here's how it works. You got to do the brave thing first, and then you get the courage." And 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 that's true of all the virtues. You know, like if you want to be if you want to be uh, faithful do what the faithful person would do you know you you, you have to be you got to do it you know if you want to be yeah. brave act brave before and then you become brave if you want to be um uh you know prudent do the prudent thing and then you become prudent you know so it's if you want if you're going to be a, a writer you know you got to write uh right. and you gotta you gotta show up and that is and you know this because every time you sit down and and once the once the ink starts flowing out of the pen digital or real uh, then you, then the time goes away and you're, you find you've been sitting there for a couple of hours writing or whatever. And you, you know, but you got to show up, uh, yeah. and you, especially if you're going to be a Christian, you, you better do a good job, but, but failure is part of, uh, is part of success. Learning how to walk is mostly learning how to not fall down. Right. Because like little kids, they get up, they walk one step and they fall over and they just keep doing that. And so, Nobody, nobody should be 
the God anyway, the, the, the carpenter shop that you're working out of, uh, he's he's not going to be mad at you for uh, for making rookie mistakes when you're a rookie uh, mm-hmm. because that's how you learn. You know, uh, the the problem is when you refuse to uh, to take ownership and and become better and you you stay. You know, what does Saint Paul say? Like uh, some of you are you like so, something about like you you all want milk but you need to you know some of you won't eat meat and I, there's some scriptural allusion here that i'm trying to make but you know when as if you're a kid and you act like a kid that's not a problem it's it's when you're an adult and you act like a kid that's a problem so look you gotta learn you gotta write bad screenplays before you write good ones so yeah it's hard it's hard for me to accept that it's perfectionist I, it's, yeah. yeah i mean the first step is to write an outline and that's a step that i it's I just, I need to kind of tell myself, you need to move forward before you come up with that uh, at a certain point rather than just waiting well, for per- perfection to spring upon me, you know? Yeah. Finished is better than perfect when yeah. you're getting going. You know, you, you might, you know, there's, I mean, there's two schools of thought on that. And I know that some people are like, you know, the, um, if, if you don't, if you do a bad, you know, it's like Chesterton, might one of my favorite quotes. In fact, it's kind of like the, the motto of the podcast, right? Is mm-hmm. if a thing's worth doing, it's worth doing badly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you did that one a while ago. I wrote it down. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Chesterton wrote it down first, you know, and I wish I had said <laughs> it, but, uh, but you know, anybody who uses that as an excuse to not give your best effort misunderstands it. Right. Mm-hmm. The, but the point of that is, is, you know, like we're raising our kids, like my wife and I, uh, you know, our kids right now are basically feral, basically wallowing in filth, uh, and <laughs> and for the most part, uh, you know, good and decent human beings that are likable and lovable, and yeah. you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> so no, but that's it, right? I mean, like they, they no, no, I that is absolutely a joke. Your <laughs> have been delightful in St. Mary's. Oh yeah, and that's really the most important thing is that they're good in public. You know, if they're <laughs> if they're horrible here, we can deal with it. You know, but I, I remember I tell you, you'll, I, I'm going to ask you a question, but first I'll tell you this. Uh, I told I warned my kids, especially my son, when he when he finally got a brother because he he had a bunch of sisters for a while, and then finally we had another boy, and I told him when the boy was born, I said, "Now, Joseph, I've got a spare." You, I've got a spare boy. You better, you better, you know, get your poop in a group because I've got, you know, I, I'm not afraid to end you now that I have a backup boy, you know. Um, but I want you to tell me if you think this is funny because my kids do not think this is funny, and I promised them that their college roommates and friends would think it's funny. But do you, when, do you want my honest opinion before you tell me the joke? I no, I want you to. I want you to make me believe that you think it's funny, even if you don't, but no. Right. So basically, you know, one of the things that you, that kids struggle with is getting in the car when we call them, you know, so it's like, okay, time to go. Oh, one more minute, you know, and the whole, the whole hassle of, you know, you say, let's go and they don't want to go. And so I, uh, my daughter, Sophia was our firstborn, but if she had been a boy, her name would have been Lorenzo. And we, we didn't joke? know. I'm no, that's not the joke. No. <laughs> But her, her, she would have been, she would have been Lorenzo if she hadn't been Sophia. But now when, when, and we didn't know if she was a boy or a girl, you know, so 
when she was born, we had Sophia and, and we, we couldn't have a Sophia and then a Lorenzo because, you know, Sophia Loren is, is already, that, that would be weird to have a Sophia mm-hmm. Lorenzo as a combination. So anyway, but um, the kids uh, would, would, sometimes they wouldn't listen to us. And I remember reading a book. Uh, have you ever read uh, Severe Mercy by Sheldon Van Auken? I have not. Uh, have you heard of it at all? I have heard of it, yeah. So he's this guy is a professor. He's a, a friend of C.S. Lewis, and he and his wife had this, you know, really uh, moving love story. And in part of the story, they he he's he's musing on the fallenness of of man or something. And and uh, they as a as a illustration, he 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 talks about his dog and how he and his and his wife went for a drive in the country or went for a ride in the country and they, they got out and walked around and their dog was with them, but the dog ran off and, and when it was time to leave, they, the dog wouldn't come back and eventually they had to leave it behind. And, and so, you know, so that that's the wayward dog is like an, an, an analog for a wayward man. Mm-hmm. But I remember that story. And so I told my kids that that happened to us with Lorenzo and that's why there is no Lorenzo in our family and so whenever we were going to go in the, to the car and they wouldn't get in the car, I would, you know, I'd be going, Sophia, Joseph, Olivia, you know, let's go. And they wouldn't come and they wouldn't come. And so then I would just go, Lorenzo, let's go. And uh, then they would all get all mad and I'd stomp <laughs> off to the car. That's not funny, dad. You can't, you can't be doing that. So like, it, then it became like, like uh, what's that show? Arrested Development where they're always teaching them lessons. So That's why you always write a note. That's right. Yeah. And so for, for us, it was, uh, you know, like more and more elaborate deaths that would happen to Lorenzo for not listening. You know, so it was like the, like Jim who, who, um, who didn't listen to his nanny and got eaten by a lion. You yes. know that one? What's, do you yeah. remember what the most elaborate death was? Uh, no, the one that I read over and over again was the, the lion one because we had a pop-up book of that one. Um, I remember Matilda who told such dreadful lies and died and was burned to death in a fire, right? Yeah. Like, what, but what was the most elaborate one? Oh, you're talking about me. About the about Lorenzo. Oh yeah. no! Uh, I, I, at some point, we I, I was telling them we had a we had an old um, like a, a kettle with a with a spout on it that you could put like iced tea in or something at a picnic. Mm-hmm. And so I used to tell them that that his head was in there, uh, <laughs> and that you know this is morbid, but anyway, is that funny or not? That's what I want to know. It I is funny. It's a good running family joke. That's right. And the family refuses to agree with you. So <laughs> anyway. Um, so, used to it. Yes. Um, I don't know. You heard the printer going off in the background. My, my family has returned. So I, I want to ask, like, um, uh, you, so you're going to, I mean, I expect you to, to, uh, to make it if you uh, if you try to make it, I think your dad gave you some good advice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think uh, you, you risk nothing really by by uh, pursuing your your yeah. dreams there. And and the, you know, the, like right now, I'll tell you what you know. I I um, I left a job that I had, um, and uh, it was very it was a trying thing. It was it was like a divorce. You know, like I didn't want to go, and they. Uh, um, wanted me to go. I, I used to say that my my uh, first girlfriend mutually decided to break up with me. 
yeah. and uh, that, that's how, that happened at one of my jobs, and um, it was hurt. I mean, I was I was really hurting a lot about it. But um, uh, why am I telling you this? This is I, I'm just totally losing momentum now. But um, oh uh, oh yeah. So I remember you know when, when I left this job, I I wound up. We had to we had to take money out of my retirement fund to live because we we didn't have an income and uh, I remember feeling really bad about it because I just felt like what a fool and I, at the time I had uh, four kids and I just felt like why did I bring all these people into the world when I can't provide for them and where am I going to get a job as a theology teacher in in a market where there's like five schools you can work at and mm-hmm. none of them pay well etc. Yeah. Um, nice. Anyway the. Um, uh, the, the thing that was ironic to me is like there are all these guys that I would work with who were much more careful about their, their portfolios and their, you know, they're always like re- readjusting and redistributing their, their, um, you know, their, their shares and whatever, trying to make a better uh, earning, you know, get better money on their portfolio. And they would follow that stuff. And like every day they would be checking it. And I never did anything. I just said, take 10% of my, my money and put it in there because if I don't do it now, I'll never do it, you know? Yeah. And so I wound up with a bunch of money when I, when I left that place and I wound up using it all and spending it all. And I felt like, okay, that's stupid because now, now I'm not going to be, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to die a, a, a penniless old man. But the, the kind of weird irony is that um, all those people that were messing around with their, their retirement funds and adjusting everything, they lost all their money when the, the housing bubble oh, wow. uh happened in 2008 you know like everybody's portfolios went down to nothing and if i if i hadn't spent that money i wouldn't have had that money to spend if that makes any sense so uh, so yeah sometimes anyway uh it's you're gonna be okay you know you're gonna be able to get a a meal you're not you're not gonna be homeless and you know destitute with nobody to look out for you because you know at least one meal over here (laughs) if you need it Um, one day covered yeah, one yeah, one one day covered. Um, and if you are janitor skills, you, you know we we've got oh, plenty yeah. of work for you over here. You could you yeah. know we'll work we'll work for food. Janitor skills will sleep. Um. Anyway, so you you'll be okay that way. But go for it. You know, especially. Uh. Don't don't um. Do it do it for God's glory, and don't forget. Um. You know, don't don't sacrifice your relationships for that for that stuff. You know. Mm-hmm. But, but if you're, if somebody's got to do it and somebody, you know, cause God is beauty, you know, and if you're going to, if you're going to bring art into the world, um, do that well, that's all. I'm just getting all mopey now. <laughs> um, so do you know the last question I asked people? Uh, I can't remember. I've watched a couple you've of watched, You've watched nothing. You've, <laughs> no, uh, I watched one and then I, I, uh, listened to parts of Simone's and Ryan's. Um, so the question is if a uh, hundred years from now, after you've passed, uh, mm-hmm. they have, um, canonized you because you succeeded at life. You did the most important thing. Um, you endured to the end and they decide that they're going to name a church after you, St. Elizabeth of Hollywood or St. Elizabeth of Canada, <laughs> whatever. Um, I don't know if you're going to have a last name, uh, other than Perry, but, uh, let's say that happens and there's a church uh, named in your honor. Yes. I if remember. That, you remember the question now? Yeah. <laughs> I, I've got to find a better way to ask it. That's more, yeah. more like 
uh, pithy, but so if the church is animated by your charism, your spirit, what do the parishioners of that church, uh, how do they behave? What is, what is the character of that church? Um, well, my, I have my friend, Laura Pastroni. I think you know her. Uh, She's another one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, she always says that that I w- will be the patron saint of bar evangelization. Awesome. <laughs> Lawyers. The, not that bar. Okay. <laughs> not that kind of bar. Uh, um, yeah. No, I've had a lot of... People are very open to talking about our Lord and Savior when they're intoxicated, I've found. Yeah. So, uh, that's a conversation I've had with strangers. Um, do, you, do, you, do you start off with... Uh, you flash them your pretty smile and then give them a beer and say, Hey, how do you feel about Jesus? Like, how does that happen? I'm trying to think. I actually haven't done this in a while. This was, I mean, it wasn't like something that I planned on doing. I just haven't, I mean, because of COVID, I also haven't been too bar for a while. Um, there were just a couple of different occasions where um, I ended up in a conversation with somebody at a bar and it just comes up. I can't, I can't remember how it would come up, but yeah, I think, I mean, have you, you know, do you know Michelle Huntley as well? Yeah. I used to work with her. Oh, right, right. Um, and, uh, but I've been out with her before and she'll sometimes just straight up be like, um, what do you believe about God? You know, um, there was one, one occasion where, uh, this, we were, me and my friend were talking to this guy and he was just so interested and he was like, yes, like everything points back to the Catholic church. And then he gave me his card and I emailed him a few days later and he was like, yeah, no, I'm just really not interested in Catholicism. It was, it was really, <laughs> he had no memory of it. And yeah, oh, and it was, I mean, it wasn't like at the time he was being genuine. It wasn't just him like trying to hit on us or anything like that. It was, he was genuinely interested and it was like, it was so clear that his heart was open. But, um, but then he was just so closed off after, after the fact, kind of interesting. You know, and vino veritas is the, is the, the Latin saying, right? It, it, right. There's, there's truth in wine. Mm-hmm. So that, that guy, that guy had his, uh, his tongue loosened and his uh, inhibitions lowered and he, he right. spoke the truth and then he got it. Um, yeah. But I guess, so, yeah, I guess my um, my my church named after me. The charism would be, um, you know, just having a good time with booze. <laughs> that's funny. But also, uh, still being nice to each other. Nice. Okay. <laughs> um, so I don't. I know you don't want to uh, answer anything that embarrasses you, but um, have you ever been uh, drunk? Yes. Uh, I've never been drunk. Really? No. Oh. Uh, and my students never believe me. I've, yeah. I've, I've been tipsy. I've, <laughs> you know, my favorite, my favorite beer is kilt lifter and, and I've had enough kilt lifter to lift my kilt, but I've never, I've never, I've never had a hangover. I've never been drunk. Um, and, uh, I've never, I'm, that's not a temptation for me, you know, but, um, uh, so I wonder if, if, uh, I don't know why I even bothered to ask that. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> but the thing, I, I, I think that, um, you know, I think I, I heard, and I think it's not true now that 
that St. Thomas had said that the that you're allowed to drink to the point of hilarity. Have you heard that? Yes. Um, and then I think it's not really him. I think it was like some commentator on Thomas who said that, but mm-hmm. I, I still like that as the as yeah. thing. It's like, oh yeah, you know, you can, I like you to can... call that delicately tipsy. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it's funny. Uh, C.S. Lewis calls it getting high, and what? and yeah, he talks about getting high with your friends, and he's but he's talking about you know getting buzzed. You know, not not getting high, but the the, the term means something else now. You know. And, um, but, but, uh, yeah, there are some people who are, who are, who are more tolerable after a few beers and other people who are more, uh, like, I mean, that, that, that you can tolerate them more when, when you've had a few beers or when they've had a few beers, you know what I mean? Like, um, and, and I love, I love, love, love that the first miracle, uh, oh Jesus, yeah. yeah. Talk about that for a second. If you want, you've had, you've had, oh, sure. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite. I think that might be my favorite passage in the Bible because it's just like it's it's a double whammy for the Catholics. I think because it's like first of all, Marian intercession. Second yeah. of all, booze is okay. You know, which are not all pros- Protestants are against those two things, but I just think it's the passage that supports those two things that I that I love about being Catholic. Well, and anybody who says that that. Christians are uptight or that, that God is, is, a is kind of a, a downer or a party pooper. That, 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 that's a story that disproves that right away. I think, you know, that the first thing he did was to make people feel joy uh, by giving them um, wine, good wine. Yeah. Have you, have you watched that, um, that vid angel series, the chosen? I don't think so. No. You should watch it. It's really good. It's like super low budget, but, but it, even though it's low budget, it's like the number one. Um, it's the highest, uh, highest amount of money raised by a Kickstarter campaign, like more than like the Veronica Mars movie or some other. There are some other movies that 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 got some crowd crowdsource funding, mm-hmm. um, or crowdfunding, whatever. Um, but this one is it had I think they raised like ten million dollars, and they made this new. Um, uh, this new series um, about it's called The Chosen. And it's about Jesus, and the production value is pretty low. They they kind of you know part of the crowdsource crowdfunding thing is you know you get they got to be extra. There are people who are extras who really have no business being in movies, you know. Yeah. But um, I was very very moved by the portrayal of Jesus. Okay. Um, and I and I want you to watch it and tell me what you think of it because. Okay. What's nice about it is it 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 kind of gives. Did you ever see um or read uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead? I think I got the name uh, wrong. I don't but... think I've, heard, I've seen it, but I have heard that it's very good. Well, you know what it is though, right? It's set yeah, in yeah, Hamlet. Hamlet, the two guys that go off and. Yeah, so the, in Hamlet, they're minor characters, but they've constructed this whole story, this this whole other story about them showing up in the castle while Hamlet is doing his Hamlet stuff, you know. Um, but but that's kind of what this is like. These um, this this series, the chosen. Like mm-hmm. you'll meet people like Nicodemus, and uh, and they give you all this backstory that leads up to the encounter that he has with Jesus, and it just makes the encounter that he has with Jesus really a lot more um, dramatic and impactful. And so uh, it's it's really good. But um, 
there's a, the, 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 the wedding at Cana is, um, is a really nice, uh, that's a nice episode. It's really good. So you'll okay. like it. But it. Yeah. yeah. I, another thing about the wedding of Cana that, uh, struck me because we were talking about the rosary before and how Mary will kind of just present things. Yeah. That's what she does with her son in that, in wedding at Cana. Like she doesn't even ask. She just says these people. Yeah, have they, they've run, they have no wine. Yeah. Yeah. Do what you will. And then he says, woman, it's not my time. And then he, she just kind of turns to the guys and she's like, he's got this. <laughs> yeah. Do whatever he says. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Uh, I love Jesus. I like him a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that would be nice to, uh, I mean, can you imagine that I, I, I'm always moved by the, the story of like, I, I, I always kind of associate my dad with Simon of Cyrene uh, because I, I think he really embraced his cross and, and learned to love it. And, but the thing that really gets me about that is the, um, the Bible mentions Simon's son's names, you know, Rufus and Alexander. Do you know I that? Remember that. Yeah. yeah. So it says they're, 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 his sons are Rufus and Alexander and they're, they're part of our number now. And it's just kind of a, a little passing, uh, phrase. But I just thought, can you imagine, like, Simon feels, so wronged and so like put out by, by having to do this, you know, he's an innocent guy. He's being forced to carry this cross and it becomes this, this, um, you know, this, this shameful thing that he's got to do because people are going to think he's a criminal. And, um, and I think Mel Gibson did such a good job of portraying it, you know, and then by the end he realizes that Jesus is innocent and Mm -hmm. he's the one who should be, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, he's the criminal really. Yeah. But the thing that really moves me is that Rufus and Alexander for the rest of eternity they get their claim to fame is my dad carried the cross of Christ, yeah. you know. Uh, you know, meanwhile your dad fixed the toilet in a cabin, you know. <laughs> yes. Uh and 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 you yeah. love him for that, you know. So that's really good. So um <laughs> All right. Well, this is too long, of course. Again, I've I've not mastered Brevity is a soul of wit, and I've, I'm, I'm not witty apparently. But um, thank you for thank you for being here and for coming on and um, spending time with us. I, I think if we keep going, you're just gonna disappear. Like yeah. your, your yeah. face is gonna be completely gone. Um, but thank you, um, and uh, I, I expect good things uh, from you as a uh, as a writer, um, and uh, I hope. I mean, I and I want you to be encouraged. I think you can do it. You know, I think. Thank you. And and then if you try it and and don't make it, that's okay too. I, I remember, I, uh, I I felt God was telling me to apply for a job one time, but not to get it. You know, what I mean, like he, I think he was he was telling me apply. What's that? You needed a little dose of humility, maybe. No, no, it, it, I, I had plenty of of that. I'm very very humble, as you know. <laughs> um, no, it was just. I think it was actually a, more of a dose of, of courage, you know. Um, yeah. Put put your yeah. It's, it's like it's like he says to Peter, you know, put out into the deep. Um, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna make it to Hollywood by staying in Phoenix, California, you know. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, God bless you, Liz Perry, and uh, thank you for being on here. And um, when when I have you over for dinner, you can bring. Uh, some uh, libations. That would be good. Uh, So 
All right. God bless you. Thank you. And have a good night. You too. All right. Bye. Hey, thanks for stopping by again. And you're welcome for the opportunity to say I knew her when about the next or maybe the one after the next Tina Fey or Amy Poehler. I'm sorry for not having this episode up sooner. I'm happy to report that I've been so busy with work that it's affecting my ability to get these done on schedule. My gain is your loss. Lo siento mucho. Anyway, don't forget to pray for all the brave young men and women of faith, like Liz, who are venturing out into the tenebrious world of entertainment. Pray that they will remain rooted in the love and truth of God, and that the attractive light of their talent will help those whom they influence see and be drawn toward the light of Christ. And of course, continue to pray for our world, our nation, and all those affected by this current pandemic. Let us not waste this opportunity to grow closer to God, our families, and ourselves. See you soon. Ciao. I love you too. Hello. Were you wondering what that strange and impressive word Rob just used was? It was tenebrious. It means devoid of or deficient in light or brightness, shadowed or black. Comparative more tenebrious, superlative most tenebrious. Alternative form of tenebrous. Hi. Hi. Um, so my name is Elizabeth Perry. I am living in the sunny land of Phoenix, California. Phoenix, California. That is a very sunny land. It is. Yeah, a little too too much so at times, it seems. Um, is, where, is that anywhere near Phoenix, Arizona? Phoenix. Wait. California? You just yeah. said Phoenix, California. I said Phoenix, California. Oh, my gosh. I totally dug myself in a hole when I said when I said I was drinking beer earlier. Oh, that's oh, that's <laughs> better, yeah. No, you're um you're Canadian, so I don't yeah, know I am. the place names. You still, know. I still struggle with the states from time to time. No, Phoenix, Arizona. 